Long ago, the four pods lived together in harmony, but everything changed when the fire pod attacked. Only the Abapod, master of all four pods, could save the world, <laughs> but everything changed when he vanished. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. Yeah, <laughs> you're almost there. You're almost there. I, that kind of that kind of derailed, and I gave up on but it. I believe but Pod can save the cast. Yes, um, there we go. Is, oh, is the Fire Pod like the Snyder Collin podcast or something like? Enemies of the pod? That's exactly Fire that's pod. exactly what Lee said earlier. Yeah, the Snyder Collin is the Fire Pod. Um, hey, hello. And welcome to We Bought a Mic, a very special bonus episode today, talking Avatar The Last Airbender uh, with our new segment that we like to call TV Pantheon. Um, This is our second one after Community, which we did about a month and a half ago. And this is when we take a show that has finished its run and we induct it into the We Bought a Mic TV pantheon. And we have some great categories like favorite episode, favorite character. And then at the very end, we're going to do a Hall of Fame of our 10 favorite episodes that we're going to decide on. So we have two very special guests to join us. Um, Lee Perry is here. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. And Harry Sayer. Hello, everybody. I'm Ernest. And I am Hunter. Avatar. So it has hit Netflix as of, what, early May? And it's still in the top 10, jumping around there. And it's just this kind of resurgence the 15 years after uh airing on on nickelodeon of people realizing huh is it is this one of the greatest television shows of all time and people uh that you know have not uh that have known it for a decade and a half they're like yeah yeah no duh but this is the time when because it's on netflix and widely available that that the masses are sort of uh, getting to it and, and realizing how special this show is. So um, let's start with uh, with you, Harry, and tell us, like, how did you first see this show? What made you, like, gravitate towards it? And how your connection to it has evolved and what does it mean to you? Uh, yeah, for sure. So I have watched Avatar The Last Airbender a lot. Uh, it's got to be at least 10 times at this point. Uh, definitely in the beginning, uh, I was one of the people who's watching it a week in and week out on Nickelodeon. I kind of, I think I watched the first episode when it aired and just stuck with it because, you know, even from early on, you could realize that just the mix of the fight scenes and the humor, just it was on another level than anything else that was on television at the time. Uh, so that, that was definitely a big part of my childhood, uh, being heavily involved with that. Uh, and then, I don't know if you, anyone else remembers this, but the show actually was on Netflix streaming for a while. 
um, for for a time, kind of like years to, ago, years and years ago. Yeah, and I, I yeah. rewatched it then when it got taken off. I actually bought the box set uh, because I wanted to watch it again. And uh, yeah, when uh, kind of the pandemic hit and we all just took the great pause and we all had more time on our hands and it seemed like this was getting big, I thought, you know what? Why not? I, I definitely, I try to space up my viewings to be at least two years, but I know I watched it right before I left Orlando. So I think it was around a year ago, maybe a little bit more than that. So I, I know you this. bought the the box sets or you've had the box yes, sets. Yes, I've had the box for... sets for a while. Yeah. So I, I've seen this thing front to back and uh, it's fun because you kind of like pick up things and it affects you differently each time. Uh, but it's, it's still really good. This has been one of the best gifts of quarantine times is getting this thing dropped on Netflix and being able to just full on dive into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter, what about you? What What is your your uh, entry point into this show and what does it mean to you? So I first watched uh, or first became familiar with Avatar back in 2005, whenever it came on Nickelodeon. But at that time, I was like 10 um, so I didn't exactly follow television on a week to week basis at that point. So I saw, I'm pretty sure almost everything of book one kind of a little bit out of order on this rewatch. Some episodes were mixed in my memory, um, but never really followed through with it. Cause at that point I was like, Oh cool. I'm going to middle school. I watch adult things like the real world now. <laughs> I watch like stuff that and is TV's the real world, much hotter garbage than what this show is. And I, this, you mentioned that was one of the highlights of quarantine and you're absolutely right that I was watching the show. And while so much of the action set pieces and the animation itself is really well done and extremely well directed for an animated show, just something that's very underrated. It's really the character moments, and we'll get into that whenever we talk about our favorite episodes, but the character moments Mm -hmm. are what kept me coming back to this show over and over again and just like watching five, six, seven episodes in a row because I didn't want to stop and leave this world. Yes. Yeah. And Lee and I, we've been quarantined together here uh, and we've been having a great time you know, diving into things together and certain movies and certain shows. But so far of the last three months of everything we've seen, this is the crown jewel, like hands down best thing that we have seen better than any other show, better than any other movie. It is so resonant on so many levels, so complex and nuanced with its storytelling and its characters. Um, And both of us, this was our first time watching it right well i mean for me i was in high school um around the time that i heard a lot of people talk about the show and that that's when the movie just about came out and what movie what movie? we have a great oh. life here in bossing say <laughs> and we don't have a movie here okay well <laughs> we can ignore that or we can just face the reality that someone attempted and they had a pretty decent budget but we'll get into that Anyway, I went and saw the movie first. That was my first exposure. Yikes. (laughs) I was, and I think I saw the movie by myself because I couldn't get any of my friends who were too cool for that. Did you lose a bet? To go and see it. No, no. I thought, because, you know, you got to remember, like back then the CGI was like, and M. Night Shyamalan was like hot shit, you know, like back then. So, so I was like 
super into it, but my friends weren't. So I went and saw it by myself. Moral of the story is that in quarantine, you know, Ernest just kind of puts things on with the hope that I'll like gravitate towards it to see if he can like hook just, me, sneak it in. you know, <laughs> so he's been putting it on. And then the first couple episodes, I, I started noticing it and I was like, okay, I got to watch this. And I was sucked in. And I think, um, you know, for me, it has, it's been a cultural craving that I felt like was being scratched by this show because even though it's it's Americanized, there's a lot of themes that are are brought up in this show that I have been dying to see or hear outside of my own head. And in America, where we're supposed to be this big melting pot, specifically here in Orlando where we are, everybody's kind of siloed. And I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, where I got a taste of a bunch of different cultures, you know, and I'm craving, you know, to learn from people who are different, who are unlike me, because I feel like there's a lot of wisdom that can be shared. And something is definitely channeled in this show that I've been longing for, which is like starting to spark my interest to like maybe invest time in actually watching some more Japanese anime or, you know, really dive into other cultural pieces of art since we have a little bit more time. Yeah. Wow. So well said. I, I think that we're going to dive into these categories and, you know, right before we do, um, I just want to say like that the, other than everything that has already been said, the thing that that resonates with me the most about this show is that it's kind of the best version of the hero's journey. It's like Star Wars done perfectly. Yes. You know, a reluctant chosen one who journeys with a pair of, uh, you know, kind of sidekicks that aid them on this big, big journey against a theater of war that has ravaged an entire uh, uh, peoples. And you know, Star Wars now in, in the year of our Lord 2020 um, is not what it was in 1977 or even 1980 and has had so many stumbles along the way. Uh, it, it's capable of greatness and it's capable of uh, being unlike anything else. But the approach of, of, of that story of these flawed characters up against impossible odds is just executed so flawlessly in this show i think it when this show is great it's just flat out perfect it there are some stretches here that are just like 10 out of 10 knockout episodes it's complex and layered and full of life lessons for kids and adults you know it this is a cartoon for children and it's more emotional than than like most movies it has themes of friendship, loyalty, betrayal, legacy, connectivity, spirituality, pacifism, war. There's so much. And and it and, you know, speaking of war, it shows the consequences of war with which few uh, uh, stories like this do. And and pretty much no kids shows do like this show takes the time to show you how innocent lives are destroyed and how governments will go through these lengths of indoctrinating and, and deceiving its people and perpetuating fear and order and uh, obedience. And, you know, like I said before, it, it treats its characters with respect and nuance and it, it's so layered and complex. And 
bending is fucking cool. <laughs> it's really cool. Well, if it's I can, awesome. uh, if I can cut in real quick, one other thing that I do love about the way the show is framed, which is kind of baffling that this is a kid's show, is that it shows that every side in a war thinks that they are right. That's something mm-hmm. that the show yeah. articulates so well. And you mentioned Star Wars. One piece of massive pop culture that I kept thinking of while watching the show is Game of Thrones. There's, it's very much you can tell that the creators of the show were fans of George R. R. Martin's book with some of like the language and how they talk about class divides and like certain family dynamics and things. It's very classic, but it also it kept giving me vibes of Game of Thrones. But Avatar knows how to stick to landing on like Game of Thrones. Like I wish that that show would have taken yes. some lessons from Avatar about how to make characters on all sides sympathetic and how to give proper resolution to a story and to a journey to make it feel earned. The, the- and even even when you know where it's going, to still have it feel not not surprising but like fulfilling that's that's and it. and yeah and 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 just like like you you earned it and and it landed in a satisfying way the, the thing about this show even from the first season is just you know there's a few episodes in the beginning that are uh, let's say slightly shaky but the fact is that this is like three 22 episode seasons more or less of rock solid incredibly confident storytelling like from the get-go it was it's operating on a different level that you know so other so many other shows try to reach and it's already there and it only gets better as time goes on and it, it you're right that in it some of the the character plot lines and where they go you know you can see it coming but it's done so expertly and measuredly that when it hits there's i really can't think of anything like it like you know i i watch the show all the time in the beginning i'm always like is this one of the best shows ever made. And then after about four episodes, I'm like, oh yeah, of course it is. Like it, it, it just, mm-hmm. it's all there and you can tell. It's just, it's on a different level completely. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm definitely jealous that you've seen it so many times, but I'm glad that I was able to experience it with fresh eyes as an adult. I mean, obviously when I was a kid, I, I caught episodes here and there. Um, mm. and I was, I was a little jealous of, of the people who were really into it. Cause I could see, I was like, damn, this show looks so cool. I want to be into it. And then the years just went by and then it wasn't really as accessible because it wasn't on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, or a, a, aside from that short stint. And now that I'm an adult and, and I'm so into movies and shows and I'm so tapped into storytelling mechanics and character arcs and things like that, to see a children's show on Nickelodeon, like do it better <laughs> than so many other things I've seen just really floored me. It, it, it floored me because there were there's moments there's there's episodes where my jaw was just completely dropped thinking like I cannot believe that the cartoon for children is this fucking good. Well, it, not not to sound like Josh Brolin, but it really is a perfectly balanced show in between way, action yeah. and comedy and mm-hmm. pathos and drama. Like it just it operates all of it so effort, effortlessly that you know it really just the comparison to Star Wars is the closest you can make of balancing all those things in a in a great way. I, I feel like for me, I would have maybe taken it for granted at a younger age because I was still 
you know, too deep sometimes. It, well, it's if it was when everybody was really into it, I feel like I would have just kind of jumped on the same boat and just watched it just to be able to like share something in common with my friends at the time that, you know, I wasn't developed yet emotionally or spiritually as a person. And I think this was the perfect time to dive in because of everything that's going on with like injustices that are happening that are surfacing so in our faces right now and with COVID-19 and with seeing people like going through so many horrors in today's reality all around us. And there's not a lot of empathy going on right now in our, our climate, our political Mm -hmm. and social climate right now. Like people are just passive about all of these huge things that are happening that are like so much bigger than what's happened even generations before. Like so much is happening and people just don't know how to channel that energy or understand what to do with those emotions. And this show, it like encapsulates all of that. And a child is working through the emotions. There's so much symbolism in that Mm -hmm. because we're all children right now. We all don't know how to react to what's happening around us. And we're all learning such great lessons. And the fact that a child in the show is the lead character and that he has to learn about chakras and learn about spirituality and how to like become powerful with, with very little confidence. And the genius of making hit this little 12 13 year old boy also this ancient soul of you know several reincarnated lives that oh that's just so beautiful the potential so exactly yeah. yeah so so let's let's um let's start to get into these categories unless uh hunter you had any other final thoughts by the way listeners if you haven't seen the show, please go see it. <laughs> Dive in. We're going to spoil the show. There is nothing so, better on television right now. Yeah, it's it's, it's about it's about it's about thirty hours. Look, uh, front to back. I know that the listeners of our show are busy. They're probably like three quarters of the way through the floor is lava right now, and I don't blame right. you. Okay, yeah, understandable. Go ahead and finish up that show. It's worth every second. No, it's not. That's a garbage television show, and I won't even <laughs> acknowledge it in the catch-up corners. But I have seen multiple episodes. Because I hate myself and we are on month, I don't even know anymore of quarantine. Everybody go check out the show. It's everything that you guys, you guys have summed it up excellently. Uh, There's more points to get into when talking about this show, but I'll save it for getting into the categories. All right. So the first category is favorite episode, which is kind of an impossible task because there are like i'd say when we get into the hall of fame like all every episode we put in the hall of fame is probably going to be a a 10 out of 10 piece of 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 writing and and execution also we haven't even mentioned the animation is beautiful throughout this whole thing (laughs) um so it's kind of you know we're, we're having fun here all of this is our subjective opinions uh but we're gonna go ahead and try to each pick our own favorite episode. Uh, It's not going to be maybe the quote unquote objective best episode, but it's the one that personally like resonates the most about the the things that we appreciate the most about the show. So Harry, let's start with you. Favorite episode. All right. So this was uh, so 
friggin' hard <laughs> to decide because <laughs> there's so many that I could put at number one. But like, you know, beat for beat, the show, the episode that really just got into my heart and just hit me the hardest is the um, season two finale, The Crossroads of Destiny, which uh, is the episode where uh, Azula and her uh, sidekicks uh, capture Katara and Zuko and throw them into the the, uh, the cavern. And Aang has to make a decision about whether or not he's going to kind of let go of his connection to Katara to fill the Avatar, Avatar stay and become more detached from humanity. And also Toph learns how to metal bend. Uh, and also yes. Zuko breaks bad. So here's the thing. It's not even like like the most momentous episode in the context of the show, although it is a finale and it's huge, but just every single piece is hitting so shockingly hard and it's all working as a kid. Like I, I really like a lot of this is like my emotions as a kid being reamplified every time I watch it. But like the, the amount of attachment I had to like Aang keeping a hold of Katara and that, that romance angle and Zuko the, just the, 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 the freak out when Zuko goes bad and just the sheer coolness of Toph doing metal bending. Like it, it was overwhelming then. And it's still so expertly done now. Uh, just, you know, you know, cause you just, you go through this, this entire arc of Zuko finally letting go of his, his angst going through that, like, Freaking sadness trip that he does, where he like sheds his his angst for a bit, and then it all just gets thrown away. And it's it really was like a tragedy in the best way. Uh, it really obviously is modeled after The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, mm -hmm. It's in the exact same way. It, yeah, it's hot like, and carbonite. It's it's like a perfect episode of television. It, it gets me every time. I, it's one of my favorite oh, yeah. episodes ever. This is uh, this is Hall of Fame material here. Oh, yeah. So this one is definitely <laughs> in the running. And you know, it, well. Netflix is doing this thing where they bundle certain episodes. So this one is listed as like part two of also like they pair it with the previous episode as one episode. So when we get into the Hall of Fame, we might be able to like fudge the rules a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And we just like merge scenario. the four final episodes into one episode because that's of, uh, yeah. So is his comment exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this is like what you're describing the just the one the one uh, Crossroads of Destiny. 24 minutes it's, all these episodes are all are less than 25 minutes so efficient that's the thing it's, it's fucking incredible yeah, Rewatching it it just blows your mind because they're much shorter than i remember because as a kid they're like much bigger in your head but it really is just super clean sleek storytelling that just gets so much out of it uh yeah it's just the best uh, Hunter, go ahead. Your favorite. So my favorite episode, I mentioned how the character moments were the thing that resonated the most with the show. As great as the direction is, which is just absolutely exquisite. There's really there's been a bunch of clips going around on Twitter in the last like month or so of just like them passing the scroll to one another and how smooth the animation yes. is. That is just so such a minor detail, but the fact that they are willing to do that much effort in the show really shows so it. fluid. Yeah. Um but my favorite episode is chapter 15 of book 2 Tales of Bossing Say. Ooh. Um, oh, why? Beautiful. Why, so I mentioned how character I'm moments cry just uh, thinking are my favorite uh, piece of the entire show. And everything in Bossing Say is absolute perfection to me. Um, but I like that this show, instead of us rushing, we know that there is this imminent massive conflict happening. And instead of doing more setup, 
the show decided to take a beat. They decided to, all right, each of our characters, we're going to split them up. We're going to have six different short stories that are all, that all pack a punch and all tell you something about the characters that they're involved. Of course, um, those include Katara and Toph having a girl's day where we're learning more about Toph, who at this point has only been around for a few episodes. So we're learning more about this character and kind of how she uses, she like copes with her blindness by kind of putting up all of these walls and all of these barriers and saying, well, I just don't care what anybody thinks about me. So it's fine. Um, we have Aang helping the zookeeper build the zoo outside the wall. Just a great little Aang moment. Just, just um, good animation. Sokka just. ending up in the girls' poetry club is just really funny. <laughs> haiku. Just great, great stuff there. Zuko going out on a date. We get some humanity in great the Zuko character. Zuko really good. moment. Um, really good. Oh, so Momo good. looking through Bossing Say, trying to find Appa and only finding the footprint is just really heartbreaking. But the real one is yeah. my guy, General Iroh who you uncle. just uncle Iroh former general Iroh um yeah. <laughs> who is kind of just there living his upbeat fun loving uh uncle Iroh self uh giving advice giving advice to, to people, the, the plant shop owner helping people out just going ahead it's, and getting all these flowers and all these goodies and everything and then it ends with him up on the mountain and you realize what this special day is it's his son's birthday and I just thinking about it, I'm getting choked up. Like I did not think that this show would make me like ugly sob when I started watching it, but I just, I just think about that, and it's so beautifully done. It, it really yeah. is a perfect small piece of storytelling. There is nothing you could change. It is, it is flawless. Iro is is kind of like the heart of the show. Yeah. Oh yeah. And in that episode, your heart is broken because when we're watching that episode, I, I remember us right before that moment happens when you just see Iroh just kind of going about his day and, and being the kind hearted soul that he is. Cause he's so compassionate, you know, this, that that's like the nuance that I'm talking about is these characters, you know, this fire nation general firebender master is one of the, the most kind-hearted, empathetic people in this whole world. And we were thinking, man, it must be so tough to have lost a, a son. And then boom, right there, af right after we said that, you get the moment where he pulls out the, the painting of the son and, and puts it by I, the rock. And I just I just broke ugly down. Cry. I, I yeah. am deeply jealous that you all got to experience that for the first time. It's one of my favorite moments in, in television. He I think wept. this might be like the quote unquote best episode of the show. Um, just because of that moment alone, the fact yeah. that it such a small, uh, such a short piece can be so emotionally impactful. It, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I, I should, it's it, we should say, you know, the Toph and Katara uh, segment is also phenomenal. It's just mm -hmm. hard to compare yeah. to the Iroh section. It, it, and the Zuka one. Yeah, the Zuka I really one love the Zuka one. Yeah. Going on the date, seeing him incapable mm -hmm. of <laughs> emoting, uh, <laughs> of emoting, and, and just thinking like this dude is so scarred on his face that he can't think that somebody 
is attracted to him. He can't get it through his brain that that a girl might be interested in dating him. Yeah, we'll get into mm-hmm. it later, but one of my favorite through lines is how the firebenders are deeply stunted people, like the main characters. You, you have that. to you have to think of like what type of metaphor that is for every single person watching the show. Like who everybody has a scar like that. Yes. And and that's what I love about this show is if you can look at it with a second set of eyes that it can apply to anything in your life and every single person that you know you can find similarities in every single person through every single character whether it's in yourself or through people around you well also it's a little bit of a cheat but i love the way that this episode ends isn't with either those ends with momo looking for appa and him Mm -hmm. kind of curled up in appa's footprint and i know now we have the luxury of binging through these shows and everything but how that leads immediately into the next episode of Appa's last days is just which perfect. is crippling. It, if crippling. you didn't cry enough in the last episode, get ready to watch like <laughs> Dumbo oh 2.0 featuring lovable Appa. Yeah, and it, it you know it even brings in incredible themes far beyond its time about being a vegan and how yeah. animal cruelty yeah. is like not a place that we should be living our lives and it just it just has that it's so threaded throughout the whole thing um i hunter about your uh favorite episode i love how when they're in bossing say and the first thing ang says is like well i never like coming here because this is against everything that the um air nomads the no, I guess what what do they call it? Yeah, the air nomads. The air nomads. This is against everything that they taught him. And that is so true. And that's so correlated to everything that we're doing. It's like we're living opposite of how we should live. Um, and so I just I just love that. What is your favorite episode? My favorite is the firebending masters <sighs> where Aang and so good. Um Zuko. Zuko, they so Zuko loses his ability to firebend once he has basically overcome his trauma and, and has his anger. His anger is what fueled his power. So think of how symbolic that is. Like so many assholes that you meet in your day to day, like where are they getting that power to be a jerk? Like it's coming from somewhere, right? And if they get over that trauma, then what's their identity at that point? And how do they stop themselves from losing themselves. So the symbolism there is incredible to me. So they basically travel to this temple where they thought these sun warriors who like are their ancient like ancestors of the fire nation, they go there thinking they've been wiped out and they have to break into this temple by using these amazing statues to like teach them how to move their bodies. They have to work as a team, even though there's all this built up resentment from all the seasons to understand the movements in order to like break into this temple, which actually works against them because there's a booby trap and now they're stuck. And the people that come to save them are the sun warriors who are not extinct. They're actually there and want to help them but they have to actually go to these incredible dragons and basically testify to save their souls or just literally die and here's ang who is battling with his trauma of his first time airbending hurting katara the woman Mm -hmm. excuse me firebending hurting katara the woman that he loves and now he like swore to never touch firebending again but because he has to 
he realizes that he has to overcome this fear. And he, then you have, you know, Zuko, who doesn't know anything except hate. And he's trying to find himself. And now he's like, well, I'm not worthy because I can't even firebend anymore. And they go and face these dragons who are these beautiful creatures, the last of their kind. And it's cool because Iroh apparently killed the last one. Supposedly. 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 But the spoiler of the end is that he's actually one of the people who saved the last two and kept their secret. And he himself made it past this trial. And which is why he's such a great firebender, probably the greatest in the show. And I think the buildup of Aang finally getting over his firebending fear led to such a great release. I did not expect that. I thought Iroh was going to like eventually catch up to them and teach him firebending. And that's how he was going to rekindle his relationship with his nephew or whatever, which when he was imprisoned, that was a badass like Tom Cruise mm. Mission Impossible <laughs> sequence that I loved. I wanted the prison breakup. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought the payoff was going to be that he broke out to go and teach avatar you know the avatar how to firebend but no it was this ancient tribe of people who are so holistic who truly believe that these animals that possess this sacred gift are going to be the ones that can give them their judgment that they were looking for and they basically use the same dance that they learned from the statues as a quick pull it out of my ass because I didn't do my homework <laughs> for this quiz way to convince these freaking dragons and the dragons release colors into their eyes that basically like cleanse them of all of their fears and inhibitions that then make them strong enough to firebend in a holistic spiritual way like they saw the light and the enlightenment that helped them channel it from a pure place which made them stronger than all the other firebenders that were coming from a place of hate it's a it to me it's a perfect episode and and yeah. uh channeling from their breath that's the big thing too that the dragons showed them is that it's all in the breath that mm -hmm. essence of of life the breath that keeps you going um that I love that episode. Yeah. I think that's in the running for Hall of Fame. A couple of well. other uh, highlights from that episode that I love. One of the beautiful, most beautiful pieces of imagery from the entire show. Yes, isn't that Zuko with the flames engulfing him? Truly, just yeah. absolutely gorgeous. And also, it kind of perfectly sets up the next trio or quadrio, if you're including part ones and part twos as separate episodes of Zuko establishing relationships with our main yeah. three that episode yeah. is so important because the Aang trust. is the person whose trust matters the most and yeah. so getting that episode first in that run of episodes I, is so important i was pretty upset though when he took katara to go get revenge and he was kind of like trying to help facilitate that even though ang was like i don't really agree with it uh, not you know i i I think that didn't sit well with me that she was even willing to go out and get that revenge, even though it didn't end up that way. But just the fact that that was his way of trying to be on her side, that kind of frustrated well, me. I, I, but the whole thing with the dad, Sokka's dad and everything in the prison, like that was amazing. I just want amazing. to say about that, this, the dragon episodes, I, I think it is without a doubt the best looking episode of the show. It is like just kind of jaw dropping the segment with the, uh, the dragon dance. It, oh, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. That shot of 
of, of uh, Zuko and Aang in the foreground and the dragons in the background yeah. as they're doing the dance. Chills. The, the Fucking chills. chills. The show has so many transcendent scenes and moments, and I think that's one of the best. It just it kind of just stops you in your tracks completely. Yes. But yeah. honorable mention is when, uh, I don't know what episode it is, I need to look it up, when Aang decides that he needs to teach the Fire Nation kids about <laughs> dancing. dancing. <laughs> Footloose. Yeah, that's Footloose. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> because he truly believes that since they're the next generation, if he can inspire them to see the joys in life outside of being a controlling, firebending nation, they're all like being brainwashed and conditioned to be these like strict jerks but it humanizes the fire it does it 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 humanizes them but when he takes katara in his hands to dance and their dance is like a lot of the water bending moves that she was teaching him so good and they're like they're like doing these whole like anti-gravity moves and he's like don't look at anybody else just look at me no one else is in the room it's romantic i made Ernest and i rewatched that because it got me going (laughs) oh (laughs) <laughs> that was a good night. I <laughs> <laughs> got me going. On Thanks, that one. Avatar. Any, <laughs> any uh, show that has a scene where the main characters tear up the dance floor is a fucking winner. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it was beautiful. Ernest, and the animation was like the fact that they utilized the same positions that she was teaching him to be a great master of water bending, which is such a healing holistic mm-hmm. practice into their dance was like making love through the practice that she had taught him. And he was like so confident. And it sets up the romance without, yes. you know, being too heavy handed. You know, that that's one of the things I appreciate so much about this show is that they, they, they do enough to like, seed that romance mm-hmm. without it becoming what the show is about i want the show is never about their romance because they're still kids you know you don't you don't want to see that you don't <laughs> want the show to like force that when it's not natural they're well, best friends we'll get, into, cute. Is the friendship. we'll get into that when we get to a hall of fame episodes i can tell okay. you that now <laughs> all right so yours? my favorite episode is the desert which is season two, episode 11. Yeah. And the reason why I picked this one is because of the way it pairs with the episode right before it of the library. Yeah. And how, first of all, that concept is amazing with the owl spirit and everything, just (laughs) incredible shit. And they find out about the comment Mm -hmm. that, and how that episode ends with Appa being kidnapped. And then you spend this whole episode of them dealing with the fact that they don't have a fucking flying bison <laughs> anymore. And they have to walk through the desert and they don't know if they're going to make it. Yeah. They yeah. don't know if they are going to live to see the and next you day. Feel that. No water or very limited water. I like how they like end up having to kind of ration out the water. Um, no food. Uh, Sokka tripping balls on the <laughs> Sokka fucking taking ayahuasca uh, out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the quenchiest. <laughs> Just, I love how they they play that for laughs, you know, in in such like this kind of intense episode, and the anguish that Ang yeah. feels. As he is flying and flying and flying around oh, that with was the no, to watch. no sight 
of Appa and you think, okay, this is a kid's show. This is a cartoon. They're going to be able to find him at the end. They're, it's going to, it's all going to be okay. And they don't, and they don't find him for like another, like five or six episodes. And, and the very, very end of, of this episode it gutted me so hard because I mean, obviously there's tons of emotional beats all throughout the series, but you don't know how attached you are to Appa and you don't feel how meaningful that connection is to Aang for real until it's torn apart. And they show you him as baby Appa being Aww. introduced to him for the first time. The thing that's so, so, so you have this moment where he, they, they meet the the i guess the raiders nomads whatever these guys are that that traded him and they realize that they don't have appa anymore and ang is so fucking angry that he goes into the avatar state and he's about to wreak havoc he's about to just murder them murder these and guys. you want it as the audience member right because you felt the the pain throughout this whole episode and Katara reaches out to him yes. to hug him and console him and 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 diffuses what could have been a really, uh, you know, intense, traumatic, violent moment. And that just really, really affected me. It, it hits so well. What's incredible, I think, about that episode is that moment. And then also kind of paired with it is the moment where they're getting chased by those hornets and uh ang they, oh, yeah. they get out safely and there's the scene where ang uh actually hunts down one of the hornets and attacks it just for the sake of it which is like an act of aggression you don't really see from that character and like that with the moment where Katara brings him down there there's a silence to that moment where they're not really saying a lot but you just have the actions and it says so much more like when Katara pulls him in it, it it just the complete quiet there and just the look on her face and his it, it's it's it, it's unbelievably powerful well also i was totally going to say agree. another genius thing about that episode is that it is laying seeds for future episodes without it being explicit expository of course this moment that you have this connection with katara and ang is the reason why he can't give her up at the end of season two. But also, and this this is the same episode where the White Lotus Society is introduced. Like, and <laughs> oh, there's right, no yeah. real explanation of what it is. Uncle Iroh just goes missing for like eight hours and then just like pops back out and is just like, all right, it's time to go. We're safe now. <laughs> well, no, that's like, like what the is that? What's that's happened? the payoff. That's the payoff from the pirate episode when he introduces the pie show yeah. tablet. And then the desert's like a culmination of like, Oh, right. Iroh's the coolest person in the world. Yeah. Of course he's yeah. part of this, <laughs> yeah. this hidden society. Like, yeah, of course he would be. <laughs> so those are our favorite episodes, just like the community uh, episode. We all had different ones that captured our own um, sensibilities of why we we love this show mm-hmm. might be a little bit different with this next category. We might have some overlap when we did community uh, three out of the four of us all pick Dean Pelton as our favorite character. So I'm curious if that'll happen again. Uh, we're going to have a different category for side character. So um there you know there's some characters like for example azula you could make a case for either category here so you know 
not perfect, not super clear cut, but uh, we're going to do our best here. And uh, ultimately, it's just to appreciate the show. So let's take it back to you, Harry, your favorite character. Yeah. So, you know, I think what we've been speaking about is that all these characters are incredibly layered and have so many different viewpoints and kind of nuances that make them so much more rich. Uh, but honestly, for my favorite, just in sheer terms of action and animation, not to sound basic, but you know, this show is a masterpiece of action and, and visuals. And I think, I think a Toph gets across that yes, a part of the show awesome. the most. So I am obsessed with earthbending. I think it is by far the coolest of the, uh, of the four. We'll get to that later. And I think to frame that and to use it creatively, that character kind of paired with like the lack of sight and the more vibration based kind of combat there. It, it, it There are so many moments in the show where Toph is fighting and it is the most fantastic, like incredibly arresting visuals you will ever see. It's also a great character, as, as Hunter was talking about, just like this kind of vulnerable person that put a bunch of walls up to kind of show that she wasn't on some level and became like a complete badass in the process. But just also, you know, it, it's earthbending daredevil. It's deeply yes. cool. <laughs> and, and when I was a kid, I'm like, this is the coolest power. This is an amazing character. You know, just you got the dissonance of like a small child being the most tough character in the group it, it mm. really is like it, it is it's just a perfect kind of execution uh for earthburning i think i read somewhere that originally they wanted a uh a larger character to be Aang's earthbending teacher, like a more muscly person like yeah. kind of they're, they're 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 joking about that with the uh ember island players but um yeah so i just like i i think she kind of gets the short shrift in season three uh tough but um just, you know, in every fight scene going forward from season two, I, I think she she kind of completes the ensemble much more than Zuko well, does. You forgot to mention she's blind. No, I didn't. did. Yes. And she's she sees through her feet, which, which is to cool. me is actually um, in the agriculture and like ecology world. Mm -hmm. Part of uh, a theory that you actually enhance your like yeah. immune system by grounding yourself with a lot of the, you know, outdoor landscape when you are barefoot that you channel a lot of like energy from the earth mm -hmm. and the fact that she can see with her feet is one of the most incredible themes that they added because she pulls from that place where she's trying to see and have another sense that is heightened through her, her bending. Yeah. Like where do they channel that from? And she channels it through her willingness to like understand the world it's also it's just, she she invents metal bending yeah which yeah. is cool <laughs> oh and uh, she gets her powers from these amazing like yeah, underground yeah, rodents. Yeah, badger moles badger moles, badger yeah, moles no, might come up when we talk about some of the best creatures yeah. in this world i I That's truly, amazing. I think the show becomes sublime once that character is introduced and they delve more into the earth kingdom i think she's a mm -hmm. huge part of that Mm -hmm. That's right, Hunter, I do. I second everything character. that you say, Harry. I really do think the Toph is so cool. I love the little details that they have, like in season three when they're going undercover and they have to cut the soles out from the shoes yes. so that she can see is like mm -hmm. really genius. Um, but I mean, if I'm just talking about my favorite person in the show, it's Uncle Iroh. I just think that <laughs> I we've mentioned that he <laughs> is the heart of the show and 
he is also the brains in many way of the show. He is the only person who can look down from 10,000 feet above and look down and judge everybody and see that no side is perfect, or at least both sides need proper direction. Um, He is also very empathetic towards everybody, and he's always willing to give people second chances in this show that on the surface is showing two diametrically opposed sides. He is showing that there is somewhere in between and that there is room for compromise and for pacifism in this world. Mm -hmm. You know, if we want to talk about, you know, kind of plot lines that are, you know, character arcs that ends, you know, somewhat surprisingly, you know, I'd never expected the show to end with Iroh returning to bossing, say, as a liberator. And yeah. I cannot, I cannot picture it. It's one of the most satisfying things in television. Again, it is <laughs> so fucking good when he does that. I, so I was going to say that we did not get enough jacked Iroh. Like, one, I want to know his P90X, but we only get the one shot of him where he just rips off his shirt and you're like, God damn, Iroh, like, Jesus yeah. Christ. He's fully clothed in the entire finale. Like, I wanted I wanted some more of just fucking jacked Iroh, just, like, beating the shit out of dudes. Give me that. I'll give me that sideshow, and I will watch it. He's also, yes. re- he's really funny. Like, yeah. he's, his character's yeah. got he's some so of the funny. best. I don't know why it makes me laugh every time. It's when um, the pirates have captured Katara, and Katara's like, I'm sorry, Aang, this is all my fault. And he's like, no, it's not. And Harrow's like, no, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> it's just really, really good. I, and the genius of having this character that is a former general and all he wants to do is just own a tea shop. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's his fulfillment. It's so I love I love his dynamic with Zuko because I almost <laughs> feel like that's not to mention the fact that like he lost his son. So he feels like he needs to protect this person and kind of like make sure that he doesn't end up in the same situation as his son. But I feel like it's almost showing you what Zuko is going to become. Mm-hmm. Like he is having this relationship almost as though, you know, his uncle is was him at some point and vice versa. Like he's going to become him and they need to work with each other to learn about their own selves in that dynamic, which I love. It's so good. Um, Lee, your favorite character. My favorite character is Aang. My favorite character is Aang. There you go. And the reason yeah. why is because... I feel exactly like him as a 30 year old woman (laughs) because (laughs) like right now I'm learning so much about myself and in turning 30, you know, I have this idea of where I want to be as a 30 year old. And I feel like the only way I can get there is if I master certain skills in my own life, like patience, like dealing with trauma, like letting go of resentment. And I think the episode that I would have chosen if the dragon episode wasn't so amazing would have been the guru where he unlocks his chakras by fully understanding what's holding him back from being able to release certain emotions so he can get closer to full enlightenment. I watched that episode through and through thinking this is supposed to be for kids. Like how do kids even comprehend what themes are being expressed in this freaking show? And as a 30 year old woman, I know that I want to define myself as 
that avatar state, hypothetically. Like I want to be as fully enlightened and as fully connected with myself and my surroundings so that when people try to come for me, I can see straight through them because I am so aware of how things are. But I'm still a child internally. I'm still so scared of my own potential, so scared of what people expect of me. And I just want to play and have fun and not have that type of commitment on my shoulders. But I have to be an adult and I have to face those challenges. Don't worry, Lee, you still have like 85 years until you have to save the world. So you're all good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're You're ahead of schedule right now. You're going to go into hypersleep in the ocean. (laughs) The long nap. Well, I think it's so perfect because Aang is so wise, even though he's a child. The parallel in between him wanting to play and still be a kid, but still having this ancient reincarnation of a hundred versions of him before that he channels and has to face and is so terrified of. We all feel that. We just don't know how to put words behind it. And this show did it so well. Something I really like about and kind of this rewatch I picked up more on is, you know, it's 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 kind of easy for shows to fall into the thing where the main character is the most kind of boring or, or passive character, just yeah. to do the a less successful version of the hero's journey. But, you know, com- let's say compared to Luke Skywalker, you know, Aang is much more he is very aggressively, well, he is very overtly a pacifist. And everything about his character and even the way he approaches combat is rooted in the need to like not hurt someone if he can help it. And that's that is very quietly a hard thing to pull off. But um of course they 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 nail it. I I, I really liked Aang's journey a lot more this watch. Yeah. I mean yeah. they they nail the 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 through line of his everything leading to where the show ends you know that the fact that it's all about him and all about how he is going to defeat uh the fire lord it 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 all culminates in a satisfying way and it and it you know obviously all the other characters get their shining moments but that struggle of like how is this little boy going to do this impossible thing they nail it and 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 it's through character motivation and growth and and this really fulfilling arc so that's a great pick oh and his airbending is so much fun yes like he's not like so serious like katara she's so serious when she bends my mother but when he bends things he's like playing yeah 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 uh so i was wrong we all have different uh uh, choices for a favorite character because my favorite character is Zuko. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Zuko is, you know, I mentioned Star Wars at the beginning of this and how I think this show is the best version of that sort of story. Zuko is the best version of this character that we've seen with Anakin Skywalker and with Kylo Ren. Um, I, I think, you know, Adam Driver is amazing, but they they really butchered where that character could have gone mm-hmm. in Rise of Skywalker um, and giving this character Zuko the time to really stretch out that journey. And you could even compare him to other sort of uh, uh, redemptive journeys, kind of like Jamie Lannister um, and other sort of, you know, anti-ish heroes another character like whose that. story got yes. ruined was, it was I'm gonna great say, his is so much better than both of yes. the comparisons you've just yes. given no that's that's the point i'm making <laughs> yeah, is yeah, like other stories have done this exact same archetype but zuko to me is the perfect version of it because 
not only, you know, is he like facially scarred and you can see the 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 trauma right there on his face. Um, but the way like he he evolves, it's not clean. It's not a a smooth arc. Like when Harry mentioned his favorite episode, uh, Crossroads of Destiny, mm -hmm. that's when he pretty much hits that point of no return where he he does the unforgivable and you think he's not going to be redeemed. And then they take the time in season three to show you like the lengths that this character will go to really find redemption and to really explore that moral conflict that exists within him. So he wants to serve his family and he wants to explore like what he owes to his people and his nation. But he also wants to atone for the mistakes that his father has made and that his sister has made and then his whole fucking people have made and how they've destroyed the world. And that balance, I think, is just captured so well in the character. And and he he plays a key role in how it all ties together in the end. Like they can't yeah. without Zuko, they can't defeat Azula and they can't defeat the Fire Lord. And it's earned and it feels right. And, you know, I totally agree with everything that Hunter said about Iroh. But the reason why I think Iroh works is because Zuko works and because their dynamic is so good and because they are like a surrogate father and son dynamic. And it, they're they're like two halves of, of a perfect uh, uh, subplot that exists throughout the whole show. And, you know, to me, Zuko he is one of the best written characters I've ever seen in any show. I, I think it's a triumph. So yeah. full disclosure about uh, Zuko, he definitely has the best arc of the show. Like that's undeniable, uh, in my opinion, where he starts at from where he ends. Uh, when I started this show, um, this watch through, I hated Zuko. <laughs> from where he begins i was like oh god like i'm this little like he's a whiny, whiny spoiled <laughs> brat is like he's generic what i hate what about so many of these like kids animated series and yeah like i just and also um shout out to dante basco the guy who played him but also his voice annoyed the hell out of me at first and i just was not i am the crown prince of the fire lord <laughs> and it just like it, it rubbed me the wrong way and then by like episode 10 i was like all right i see where this guy's going and now i'm now, kind of in it, it. especially storm? especially whenever we see um uh the blue yeah demon what's spirit. The, the blue spirit the blue spirit yeah the blue yeah. spirit whenever yeah. he is first introduced and it's like okay they did give this bad guy this big bad a little bit more layers to him i mean th that really is the uh the traditional reaction to zuko because he sucks so fucking hard in those first yeah episodes. the first few episodes Around, you're like oh god i can't stand this guy <laughs> the, well, the, one thing I wanna, the one thing i want to say is you know you've all kind of talked a little bit about how good it's been to kind of binge the show and it is like one of the most rewatchable shows and you can just take it all in one sitting but you know, I, I really loved when I was a kid, just having that connection you get week in and week out through serialization. So that when you get to season three and he finally, Zuko goes to his father and says, I'm going to join the Avatar, that 
hits like a atom bomb. Like it yeah. is, you've spent so much time watching this character move. And then when you finally get that break, it's, it, it really, I think, I think it's the best moment of the show for me. I don't know why it just makes me like pump my fist. When well, he, he does the lightning move yes. in that scene Yes, that it's you didn't okay. think he was going to be able to do because the, the fact that he can't control his bending perfectly and, and his, his, his conflict, the moral conflict that exists within him is reflected in his actions and the way that he bends. Mm -hmm. And then when he's able to do the lightning move, it's like, oh, he has gotten to a place where the moral conflict within him is quelled to an extent. And, yeah. and that that push and pull inside of him is not as as combative as it was before there were just a couple things that bothered me like a couple things that still sit don't sit well with me they they paid off now that i've seen it all but i was very frustrated when he changed back after like katara like literally right after katara was like you have this scar and i have this ancient water i can help you he literally just out of nowhere decides to just join his sister who's he's he's been against out of the blue that didn't land right for me because i'm like he he just had it at his fingertips to be able to defeat his sister and help them officially. And then also um, some other things that fell through was when he like was trying to, to talk crap to his uncle who was in prison. And then like the way he was treating his uncle, everything that happened and even knowing that he knows something terrible, which wasn't really said out loud that something terrible happened to his mother and that it most likely was his father's fault she was presumed dead she was presumed dead but then there was like it just didn't feel like the landing there really stuck but the payoff made it all worth it um and i think that what made it land was the fact that when he finally got everything he wanted he still wasn't happy and he still couldn't just be in that situation. Yeah, he's like, where's my mom? And it just, I guess I just am so not like that character that I couldn't quite make that work for me. And it really just didn't sit well in my stomach. But the payoff of all of it, obviously, I just think right. it's so it's so incredible, again, that a children's cartoon mm-hmm. has such a morally complex and layered character like Zuko mm-hmm. and that they're able to give him the nuance and the time to really flesh out that complexity. I've never, I've never seen anything like it. Another two other great that I forgot to bring them up on the episodes uh, when we were discussing them, but they are very much Zuko episodes. One is Zuko alone. Yes. Season two, episode seven, Zuko alone, where it's just him. It's the first time that we've ever gotten just a Zuko episode. It's it's Kurosawa. It's it's so good. It really is. It's so much Kurosawa. If you've ever seen a Kurosawa film, it's all over. I kind of like that the show wears its influences on its sleeve. Uh, season, the end of season one is the most Studio Ghibli Princess Mononoke shit that I've ever seen on television. (laughs) And I loved every second of it. Yeah. Um, but the other episode I was going to mention is uh, season three, episode six, the Avatar and the Fire Lord, which is yes. when these two characters who we see throughout the show that seem so diametrically opposed with each other that they are kind of two sides of the same coin. They do share so much in common, despite them seeming on the surface so 
opposed to each other and what each other believe because they have this history. Like they have been friends in the past it's, and it kind of forms this connection that they can work this out. I definitely want to talk about that one in our hall of fame. for sure. Last thing about Zuko, the moment at the end in the finale, when he's reunited with uncle Iroh yeah. and they embrace yeah. and yeah. uncle Iroh is like, I wasn't angry. I was just scared that you had lost her way. I can't. Yeah, exactly. Like he that he basically says, like, I, I could have never been angry at you. I just wanted you to see what what this could be if you followed the the, the path of good. Mm-hmm. And he knew that he could. And that embrace is just so impactful. Oh, my if God. If we're talking Iro oh. moments that make me cry, it's that one every time. It's oh. just, it's like the most, he like, forgave him just right hugs away. him right away. It's just, it's just flat out perfect. Oh, oh I'm, I'm like getting yeah. chills just thinking about I it. <laughs> I kind of want to rewatch the show. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get to the next couple categories here. Let's try to b- breeze through this so we can get to um, the Hall of Fame. So, best season. Yeah. Can we all agree it's season two? Yeah. Does anybody yeah, have definitely. any? Yes, yeah, season two. Do you? Th- I mean, yes. Think, I just it's hard for me to differentiate between them all because we did binge it. But so I think the writing there's life lessons in every single episode, but the writing, the through lines, things come from similar from early episodes and pl- pay off in later episodes. It took somebody with a real skill at understanding uh, arcs and characters and journeys and individual lessons that they wanted to target and educating these kids who were supposed to be watching it. It's so such a talented it's, it's thing. It's expert level storytelling. If you and compare it to like Pokemon, <laughs> where you can't. literally there's never a fight between the friends. They just have a wonderful experience and journey with some hardships that they always overcome. And they're just ready to go on the next journey after the end of the, you know, it's like you can't even try to compare so it. I, I kind it's kind of I'm almost talking around it because season two is such like expertly paced and crafted and everything in bossing say is like some of the best stuff on television but you know it's interesting where you know that is where the show had the most most room to explore it's kind of mythos and have those character beats. I feel like season three uh, is a little rushed um, compared to well, season they gotta, two. They got to get to the end. You know, they got to sprint they to the do, finish. And they, they do. And, you know, you, you kind of season, we can talk about season two, but, you know, for season three, it kind of feels more like a collection of great moments than like a satisfying through line. Whereas season two is just like just slow escalation just beat by beat i mean i can't tell you guys how stressed out i was as a kid with Opagon because that was for a while <laughs> i was like where the fuck is he though like yeah. oh my god you know that's all you know it really like hit me on a primal level i mean just yeah. that whole concept of bossing say this yeah. like tripled walled city that it's almost like a Bong Joon-ho Snowpiercer level of (laughs) allegory of the different layers of the city, the outer layer being the most poor and the inner layer being the most rich and really just showing that social commentary right there blatantly and then diving into the underground of it all with the Dai Li and um, what's his name? Um, Jet. Uh, no, well, yeah, Jet, but the the leader of the Dai Li, oh, the Emperor, Buck. Fang, um, the guy, Fang? yeah, the guy who's voiced by um, Mr. Krabs. Yeah. That that whole yeah, uh, story of him like tricking the the Earth King 
and brainwashing people. Just like today, propaganda. Exactly. Yeah, that's yes. what's scary. It's Fear so, of anybody speaking out against it's, their it's leaders. depressingly mm-hmm. something you can relate to. Yeah. A world where the government denies the existence of a major life-threatening event. Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you. I th- I think Sokka, what? I think Sokka really got gypped uh, in the third season since we you said it was rushed. Like I feel yeah. like his abilities to now be like a sword master really were not really played out as much as they could have been. But mm-hmm. I did like that they took their time um trying to like redeem Zuko. And then he's like, oh are you going to fight him during the comet? And he's like, no, I'm not ready. And he's like, wait, you didn't tell me that. And it did <laughs> cut a, a huge part of what was going to be a journey. Cause I remember watching it and being like, damn, why aren't we like getting to it? Like, why are we taking this time? Like trying to go to Katara's enemy and like Mom. redeem her like, when they have a freaking war to do. And then they weren't planning on it until last minute. Something. And then it was like, we have to rush through this now. Before I forget, something really good with Long Fang is that uh, it, it's kind of like low-key a really good Clancy Brown performance. <laughs> like, I think he does a really good job uh, as like a slightly more aristocratic <laughs> villain uh, than kind of his more like kind of scurvy nature. Uh, I don't know. I like Long Fang. All right. Next <laughs> category. Or did you have another point, Hunter? Oh, no. I was just going to say that I season two is the best in my opinion because... Bossing say is the best part of the entire show. And I mean, you guys have touched on it with all the allegory kind of being there on the surface, but also we get there in at the end of episode 12 of season two. And then we're just there for like the rest of season two. And it's incredible. And I never wanted to leave yeah. that place despite the I massive just, oppression. I would pick up like a nice home in the inner ring. I want to say it was. Very, I, I think. I think it's actually very obvious that Jet dies in that one episode. Dude, I don't get this idea that's ambiguous. That episode, <laughs> right before that happened, we were saying, you know, for how intense the show is, nobody dies, and then yeah. boom, <laughs> Jet fucking dies. Yeah. I was like, oh my is, god! I have a question: Is the the attempt of the Fire Nation breaking into the wall of Ba Sing Se is that the best fight scene in the whole show? It's up there. Yeah. It's up there. It's where they were like, there. like he I, had yeah. to make that giant ball and like it, they were, they were throwing mm-hmm. the stones. I, I think the best fight scene is probably the crossroads of destiny fight scene. When, when Ang like builds yeah. that crystal suit to like protect himself. And also <laughs> the, so I gotta cool. say the fight at the end against fire Lord, um, Ozai, Ozai. that's fucking, that's Ozai. incredible uh, shit. That is worthy. So I was yeah. going to, I was going to bring this up whenever we uh, whenever we got to the best episodes, but I'll do it now since we're talking about the fight mm-hmm. direction. It's hard for me to watch certain modern action movies because uh, the mm-hmm. fights are incoherent. Um, and that is almost even more so for anything animated. So many artists and uh, filmmakers of animated features don't know how to properly use the medium in order to communicate action. Um, That's why uh, people like our boy who made Mission Impossible 4 and also The Incredibles is the guy because he knows how to – Yeah, Bird knows how to direct that kind of thing. But the way that action is communicated in this show is just absolutely exquisite and you can follow everything that's happened. Everything is very clear. When you watch something like Dragon Ball Z – I love Dragon Ball Z. Not going to throw too much shade at it, but sometimes the fight sequences 
are completely yeah. incoherent. And also it involves a eight episode arc of them having inner monologues with themselves as they run up and yeah, punch being each out other. of breath. <laughs> Dude, I <laughs> Well the the bending system is so like clean and easy mm. to follow. I think that's the thing. And that the way they, they communicate the the bending, it doesn't take anything away from the stakes of any of the fights. You know exactly what everybody can do and what they can accomplish with their powers. And you're never like in a place where you've you're detached from the stakes of the fight. You're always still in it. And not, you know, not to mention the fucking movie, but like what the movie just forgets to do that the, the show is so good at is that the fight styles are a manifestation of the characters' mm -hmm. personalities and that the actual motions evoke that energy that's being kind of shown or manifested mm -hmm. in that way. And, you know, it, it it's storytelling and getting personality across through motion. It, it's there, There's so many things the show does. And that it's ba they're based, they're based on real martial to. arts moves yeah. too. Yeah. It's just, Harry, I it's hope just you know unparalleled. Once this pandemic can, is over and uh, you can leave your house again, we are going to all get together and watch the Avatar movie together. I, I have. I'm, I have I'm ready to see this <laughs> film. I am ready to uh, watch it. It's. Uh, we're gonna get Drew in on it too. He's not. This will be Drew's introduction to uh, the Avatar: Last Airbender universe. <laughs> Avatar. I'm. I'm not one to like let things get to me. That movie is a genuinely enraging experience. Like you will I've be fucking angry while you watch it. I need to watch something a little bit angry. I haven't been mad yeah. enough in society, so yeah. Can I, do you guys know anything about like you have to remember <laughs> that like long. i just watched the matrix recently and i was infuriated yeah. by it but for its time <laughs> if you watched it when it first came out you would be pleasantly surprised different. but okay next Very category true. so oh, yeah. that's uh, our favorite season is two. Next category is our favorite animals. Uh, so this show has a ton of like Ooh. hybrid animals that populate the world. And this is just a fun category to kind of shout out the ones that we like the best. Um, so, Harry, what is yours? All right. Yeah. So this one also is weirdly hard to sell, uh, especially because all the animals are beautiful and have such a uh, Studio Ghibli influence in one way or the other. Uh, am I I'm going to pick a spirit animal. And um, I actually love the design uh, and just kind of the transformation of the uh, the panda spirit. Yeah, where Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I know that's slightly cheating because it's not alive, but like it's the actual monster design is kind of incredible, and the fact that it is very panda esque without realizing it is until it actually morphs into it at mm -hmm. the end. Uh, it is. It's just. It's. It's the right amount to like kind of get you into the idea without revealing it, and then it's just such a nice surprise. And then also the panda comes back later in the show mm -hmm. and it's a great pandas, so Honor, <laughs> i'm a fan what's, of pandas. what's your favorite animal um is it too cliche to say appa i'll mention one in case appa is just oh. too cliche how about the lion turtle at the very end of the show that we see oh this God. epic island of a beast i'm kind of scared of that guy <laughs> it's just incredible I'm with you, man. Yeah, doesn't he like learn something? Doesn't he like, energy bending? Yeah. Energy bending. That yeah, pe people don't like the lion turtle because it gets introduced kind of late in the show. But the lion turtle fucking rules. Amazing. It looks incredible. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's an <laughs> island. What? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Come on. That's not so love about that long. thing. As soon yeah. as he disappeared, I was like, oh man, we're going to be on a giant turtle, aren't we? And then we were, and I was like, oh, fuck yes, here we go. Yeah, not not just a turtle. A lion, a lion turtle. turtle. Isn't, it, isn't that so uh, amazing that all the animals taught the humans how to bend each element and that Aang yeah. had such inner turmoil thinking about killing this incredible fire lord leader, even though he caused so much devastation, he still couldn't do it. And then the turtle teaches him how to take his power away by sucking out his energy. If you could apply that to every hater that you have in the mm-hmm. real world and just say, you don't even have power on me because yeah. you're nothing. It. It's it's literally how most conflicts should be, you know, completely resolved. Um, but I was going to say Appa just because like he is perfect, he's the best. perfect yeah. in every way. Um, I mean, Appa's lost days. Like when you see Appa getting like tortured by the circus, oh, God. it's the most like fucking heartbreaking. But, but shit. I I didn't realize that the flying buffalo like helped teach the airbenders like how to bend until the very end i think the coolest connection was that really awesome mole badger yeah the badger and badger how mole. they can't see underground and that's how that is directly the reason why toft is able to be such an incredible bender surpassing all these other predominantly men that she faces as this little girl because she learned directly from the source of these animals and just to tie it into today's world there's so much in ancient medicine and so much in like our behavior that if we just paid attention to our environment we could be better as human beings but everywhere that we're going wrong as human beings right now in today's age is because we're doing something against nature's way which I find so compelling yeah. by the show. Yeah. Also, shout out to uh, Momo. Gotta gotta pour Momo. one out for my guy Momo. I'm sorry, he's... he was a little annoying. Momo's really good. Oh, what? No. he annoyed me. I wish he wasn't in the I show like except him. for that one episode what where he cried in office. I was like, what does he's he little. do? What is he for? <laughs> Remember the scene where <laughs> they were he, he was like, <laughs> they were like sick in the cave, and they're like, go get water, and he comes back with like everything except Most. water. I want to I want to say before. I forget there's one of my favorite jokes in the show is how the king has just got a bear and they're all like what the hell bosco the bear they're like what's what's just he's just a bear like, this is weird <laughs> it's just such a weird. good like delivery like culmination of that show's whole world yeah, yeah. it's a bear like, whoa. <laughs> Not- shout out to the duck turtles though duck, yeah yeah um, cute. Ernest, did you pick your mine are the dragons i gotta go dragons dude because of we already talked about it with lee's favorite episode but just the the catharsis of that whole sequence uh with the the dragons showing them the the true um source of the fire bending i just think is beautiful um yeah i i gotta go dragons any other any other animals anybody wants to shout out um, I can't, what are the animals called that Jean has that are like the little blind things that have the poison tongues? Um, uh, those are cool. From the Tales of Bossing Say. Yeah, or? she like hunts them down. She's introduced in the episode where Appa is shedding everywhere so they have to like find him. 
and they have these like creatures that just uh, run so fast and they also have a poison tongue oh i can't remember what exactly oh, it's a, a, sh- the a sh- blend of two creatures is she called it a sheer shoe or something uh yeah i believe it's yeah, called a right, sheer shoe i thought that yep. it had like a mole uh lion name or something like that i've watched this too <laughs> much <laughs> i like the um the platypus bear that's a good one yeah. um <laughs> Also, the one. What are the things that that um, Azula and her girls ride? Oh, those are just lizards, man. Yeah. Those things are cool. <laughs> those like Komodo cool dragons. Oh, the turtle ducks. Those are very cute. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what oh, I yeah. said. So uh, we are uh, at our last two categories here. The um, next one is what is everybody's favorite bending power? Well, I've already said mine. I think. You know, earthbending is just the most creative and like visually amazing part of the show. It's it's, it's by far my favorite part of the entire enterprise. Just like, just, you know, it's just it's kind of got an advantage because it's tangible. But, you, you know, the characters can kind of rework and reform things and kind of use them in interesting ways and kind of ways you can't really with a fire and yeah. water. You know, I, I don't I wouldn't say if we're doing like the Harry Potter house thing, I don't think I'd be an earthbender. I'd probably be fire because I've got a lot of energy I can't really control. <laughs> but just watching the earthbending is such a fucking delight in that entire show. It 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 is for me the MVP. I, uh, I agree. I'm I'm also going earthbending and by extension metal bending. And because of what you mentioned earlier with picking Toph as your favorite uh, character because her power, like I know that this show is is centered around Aang and he's supposed to be the Avatar, but Toph is low-key like the most powerful character in the whole group like the the things she's able to do and with with seemingly like effortless it is just so incredible i i was always amazed with her earthbending skills I don't know how much y'all know about the Legend of Korra show, the sequel, but uh, haven't I'll, gotten to it yet. Metal bending is a uh, kind of the legacy of Toph's metal bending is a, a big part of that show's oh, nice. world, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, um, Hunter, go just ahead. to be different, I earth bending is incredible. There's no arguing against that, but. I'm going to go with the water bending just because in season three, it's introduced that blood bending is a thing in yes. like one oh, of my favorite God. episodes, in the entire show. It's pretty much like a house of horrors kind of an episode. But the fact that you can, I wish that the show would have gone more into it, but it might've gotten really, really dark. Um, but the fact that you can manipulate people's body and control their blood is the most insane thing that the show mm-hmm. ever threw at me. Some you can also shit. heal people too, which is also really important for this entire show that you gotta have like a big tank back there who can like heal people and also can manipulate their bodies. I, I don't want to be a broken record, mm-hmm. but a uh, bloodbending is also a very important part of the legend of Korra. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh man. I, I, yeah, we I, should get well, to watch this. I felt like I was going to do water bending as well because I, f- but I felt like the first two seasons until bloodbending was introduced, which made the payoff of that introduction. So worth it. There are scenes with entire tribes of waterbenders where they're doing such minimal shit compared to earthbending, which makes Toph's character so special. But Katara, for for example, 
there were just times when like the entire village was fighting and I felt like they could be doing so much more. Like if they have control over all the snow and all the elements, they should be making it rain hail, like from the clouds, like in sharp bullets. Like why aren't they taking it further? And I think because, well, no, I don't think it's that. I think it's because they wanted Katara's character to be more focused on the healing power and more feminine and more attractive in that way because she's not as hard and rigid as Toft. But then when the bloodbending is introduced, I thought that was really incredible. I just am upset that in the final fights, it wasn't introduced again. Like I felt like it was such an opportunity for her to maybe help lock the fire king or something so that Aang could have been able to it could have been like she threw the basketball up and he slam dunked it but instead they just kind of let her practice it one time for her revenge episode which i wasn't as fond of and that was it like she didn't really use it again and but Waterbending in general, you can use tears, you can use sweat. That episode where she's like literally in a prison with Toph that's made of bamboo and she sweats her weapon out of her. Incredible. Um, I just I just think also the motions that she uses were way more compelling to look at. Um, but we have to also remember like that energy bending piece was incredible. And air bending in general, I think fly. Yeah, you can fly. But one of the things that Ernest and I talked about was like, could you literally steal the breath out of someone's lungs? God, stop. Man, Cora, man. (laughs) Because we were like, as soon as the bloodbending episode happened, I was like, oh, my God, the next thing is going to be that air is going to be stolen. How dark does Cora get? Because you're making it sound like it's going to get really dark. Legend of Cora gets hardcore. I I think we should watch it. It's on on a CBS All Access. CBS All Access, baby. Uh, um, also, shout out to combustion bending. The dude, the combustion man, that fucking zeroes in with a Whoa. sniper yeah. combustion bend. I mean, that shit's fucking. But see, crazy. this is where I'm sad because Sokka could have really had a couple really strong episodes where his. If he could have had like a karate kid moment a little bit more so where he defines himself through his. He just kind of just all of a sudden met this master in sword play and yeah. then just became a master in one episode yeah i think like, episode's really good but i think you've got a point that, that hurt fast. me because yeah. he just was kind of the tag along for so many episodes and the sidekick i feel like he could have had an arc too yeah we um well that kind of we can uh use to get into our final category which is our favorite side character so Sokka is not a side character but he's like he's like the embodiment of the sidekick uh I I think I think he you know he 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 serves his purpose you guys are being harsh Uh, to Sokka I think he's very very I just he's not a combat oriented character he's more of the thinker and it's just kind of weird yes, they make him the strategist when season three they're like oh and also he's great at combat it's like, well that's nice it's just he's also been kind of doing this other thing that was very valuable and just feels like a little bit of a shift i mean we also talked about humor is so important to the show and yeah. another character Sokka, i didn't love at first when the show begins but it's kind of the classic example of figuring out the character as the show goes along where they learn to kind of channel his personality into okay he's the sarcastic one like you have to have the joey mm. of, or the the chandler of the group 
you have to add the one who just kind of yeah, the jokes holes through all of this and kind of in a weird way at certain points like the audience surrogate at certain things who kind of like looks around as like this is ridiculous isn't it like <laughs> yeah. no he really like i think i think a lot of that show secretly is on Sokka's shoulders i think he's like a hilarious i think his arc's pretty great i think weirdly that arc where he becomes a swordsman is kind of weaker in comparison but like just his it's one of those things where it is kind of like obvious where it's going but just him becoming a man just is expertly done it's he gets a lot to do in the third season between the the boiling lake uh episode Mm -hmm. or the boiler what's that called the boiler rock boiling rock yeah um, and then the finale with the airships, I, I think that that they managed mm-hmm. to give him I, a, a not good to bit. mention. Oh, go ahead. I'll say Sokka has my favorite joke in the show is when he's on the balloon with Zuko and they have no idea what to talk about. And Zuko's like, "Yeah, my, I know Sokka's like my girlfriend turned to the moon." <laughs> and Zuko's like, "That's rough." <laughs> it's so good. It's amazing. So then it's still amazing. It's just that's like god tier stuff that like they know their characters so well. They're like, of yeah. course they wouldn't know what to say to each other. <laughs> like, I yeah. Love it. Not to mention that he like saved his dad and there was that one scene where his dad like invited him to come and do combat, but then Appa and Aang showed up to like take him back to help Katara. So um, yeah. that was pretty interesting to watch. All right. Best side character. So this category, I took it a different way than you guys might have because this category, you could put like a background character in here and and it'll it'll fly. I didn't do that. Um, but let's, let's start with you, Harry. Yeah, I, I took this character. as a very like ancillary background kind of character. Uh, but honestly, the one, and it, it just makes me laugh. Uh, I love the boulder. I think he <laughs> is great. super dumb. I'm the, the boulder. boulder. <laughs> it's so <laughs> obvious. Just the boulder takes issue with your comments. He's going just full really of the rock like 20 years ago in WrestleMania. And I fucking love what he's doing. It's like the, and that's that line. And the boulder is over his conflicted feelings. It's just all in the delivery. It's just, it's really fucking good. I love the boulder. It makes me laugh. That's me. All right, Hunter, what's um, yours? So mine is Jet, mostly because... His episode, the episode Jet, episode 10 of season one, is the point when I was like, okay, this show is something special on this watch through. When you realize Mm -hmm. that, like, saying that you'll do whatever it takes to defeat X, whatever X is, can also be just as kind of tragic and bad as the thing that you are trying to fight against. So I really love his character. Um... His character in Bossing Say is strange. I like, I like eighty percent like what they do with his character in Bossing Say, but I'm gonna give it to him. Two quick runners up, who I'm positive that you guys won't mention. One is June because I do want her to step on me, um, and she's a badass. Uh, <laughs> she's a she's a she's a badass. And also, how sure. about shout out to UA because she's the fucking moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is the moon. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That that annoyed me. I love the running joke that Sokka gets defensive whenever someone's talking about the moon. He's like, she's trying very hard. <laughs> I was like, they fell in love in like less than one episode. Like literally, just there's a lot going on. That was it. Just he's in love but, with her now, and look, you know, he's a very he had this the other only girl. girl in his village was a sister. Okay, he's a very horny boy. <laughs> but yeah. Hunter, I do agree with you that the Jets episode is where the show kind of kicks it up a notch a lot of people kind of mm-hmm. feel like the uh, the storm is the episode where it kind of like reaches a different level but i really do feel like jets is where it's kind of that that more 
moral complexity gets introduced. And I think it's great. Mm -hmm. uh, quick shout out to Cabbage Man. Uh, you got to mention man. him. <laughs> My cabbages. <laughs> Lee, um, your favorite. There's side three character. that stick out. One, the guru. The guru. Yeah. I love him. I wish we got so much more out of that character. I wish that he like, like, just like we got some substantial amount of time with Aang, like learning each of his skills. I feel like he really just barely touched on the process of unlocking his chakras through that one major episode, but the guru's personality and all the things that were coming out of his mouth blew my mind like over and over. Um, really awesome. Then the swamp where the waterbender is controlling swamp this bender. entire swamp with just the ability to understand and hear and listen and communicate through one major tree that is the entire forest and is like connected through roots. And then he comes back at the mm -hmm. end. How much I want to be that. Like, I hope when I die, somebody just like puts me in a tree so I can decompose. <laughs> into Big the tree. Um, energy out of that entire episode. <laughs> And then I, I, I just thought that um, that one earthbender weird guy that they were trying to save and there's this big like. Oh, Boomy. Yeah. Yeah. This big episode where they try to save him and then he just is like, I don't need to be saved. I'm like the world's greatest. And he just like goes up backwards yeah. and like disappears. I yeah, remember thinking like old this guy's going to be the earthbender that's going to teach him everything he needs to know. And oh. then the guy is just some wonky, crazy guy who enjoys just like being weird. So. My pick, because I wanted to pick Zuko as my favorite character, my favorite side character is Uncle Iroh. Ah, he is yeah. a side See, I, did, I guess I just thought yeah. he has too much screen time. If we're like going yeah. in, like I, they, I was thinking of somebody who's in like one or two episodes. That's he isn't right. really yeah. in I season that's, three at all. Yeah, exactly. That's that's that was my reasoning. Is is he he kind of disappears once he gets uh, imprisoned. And we've already talked so much about him and how they're able to balance the, the comic relief with the life lessons and, you know, the heartbreak of it all and the, the, the fact that he's this vessel for Zuko to, to really make that land. I think that, you know, we've already said everything that needs to be said about Ira. I just needed to reiterate like how good he is and how it encapsulates this notion of like compassion and empathy and how important that is for children to see that and for that to be in a show that's aimed at children to have this older character be part of the story and, and to be teaching this, these life lessons and also be flawed. You know, he's not perfect, just like all of these other characters in the show. He is has made his own mistakes and 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 is reckoning with the 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 shortcomings of, of his actions and the consequences of it all. But time and time again, he comes through um, and I just I love him so much. But I, I really wanted to pick Zuko as my uh, yeah. as my favorite. I, character. You know, if we really think about it, like a, uh, a war general who just leaves it all behind and finds peace through just like inner, you know, inner, inner satisfaction is kind of a mind blowing character to have in a show. Mm. Like exactly. <laughs> really, exactly. I, I, 
nonetheless. Exactly. <laughs> we keep saying that, but it's it's really just it's like Star Wars. It's a show for everyone. Yeah. That's why it's so good. Yes. Yeah. It's just because it aired on Nickelodeon. Yeah, That's why it's like classified that way. But but the reason why it's so perfect is because anybody can watch it. All right, boys. We've made it to the end with our Hall of Fame. Uh, we're gonna pick 10 episodes to decide on. Uh, to be in the Hall of Fame as we finish up this uh, TV pantheon here. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen in the Zoom call. And I've picked 10 episodes. Okay. Um, and you should hold on. You should, there we uh, go. read them out for the listener. I will. I will. And I've also picked some runner ups because I feel like you guys, there's going to be a lot of overlap. But what we have to do is decide on what of the 10 that I picked, you guys want to trade out for any of the runner ups, or maybe there are some that I missed that you guys want to throw in, in, in the running. So in chronological order, this is a really solid list. The siege of the North part two season one, episode 20, the finale with, uh, that Hunter shouted out early, the princess Mononoke God looking shit that, Av- that avatar Aang does in the avatar state, uh, <laughs> uh, the swamp, Season two, episode four, that Lee just shouted out, uh, learning about the connectivity of the swamp. And now it's basically all one big plant. And uh, we also have these visions that all the characters see and, and Aang sees Toph, or at least the back of her head. Uh, and that's teased. Then we have the <laughs> Blind Bandit, season two, episode six, which is when Toph is introduced and we see her in her fire or her earthbending glory in the ring. Then we have Zuko alone season two, episode seven, which we mentioned was the uh, Jojimbo Kurosawa episode. Then uh, the library season two, episode 10, and then the desert, which is 11, the one right after then tales of bossing say season two, episode 14. Then because I'm doing the Netflix model that they have with bundling some of these, we have the guru and Crossroads of Destiny, which is listed as season two, episode 18. So it's a double ep. Uh, That's the finale of season two. Then the headband, season three, episode 10, or sorry, episode two. I put this one for Lee because this is the dancing one, the footloose one. (laughs) Um, And then finally, the finale, the series finale, Sozin's Comet, season three, episode 16. As it's listed in Netflix... It's actually a four-parter. I just want to say real quick that uh, Nickelodeon did air uh, these finale on episodes in large chunks as they are on Netflix. They were kind of like like movie-esque events. Okay, but they, they, that is how they were presented when they originally aired. So that is, that is valid. So what do you guys think? Um, uh, what good what are you thinking I should be traded out? So I personally would have... Um, the puppet master in there. I understand that that might not be in the general hall of fame. I would have that in there. I think firebending masters has to be in the hall of fame though. Yeah. See, that was my, that was my number 11. It just missed out only because I find the ending moments so powerful, but not the episode as a whole, but like, I I can see why. I think it's important overall for for the show. And I love, I love it. You got to bump one out. Which one are we bumping out? I think the last three on your runner-up should be put in there. So and the, I think the last you three are take out- the Puppet Master, the Firebending Masters, 
and the boiling rock. Yeah, I think you should take Damn. out the headband, even though I love it so much. All right, we'll we'll take out the headband. I think Zuko mm-hmm. alone, even though I, I it helps so much with building Zuko's oh, arc. Oh I no, I can't. Alone. I can't get I out Zuko alone. I, I cannot give up Zuko. Because alone. they end up hating him at the end anyway for being That's a Fire point. Lord. So he's mm-hmm. scarred. Yeah. Well, I, I was upset no that they still hated him, even though they he saved all their so, lives. All right, but... we're gonna trade in the firebending right. masters in for the headband. We never really brought up the library, which I think I deserves ha- to be so way up. Like so that's number three on my list. I think the library is a. St- fucking stunning piece of world building and just everything from the great owl to the world the connections with admiral zhao is just i think around then is when the show becomes unreal Uh, i want to i don't think anyone's going to pick up on this but i kind of want i would i would take out the desert and i would put in thank you i was going to say that which i know is not like a super talked about i I am willing i am willing to give up my favorite episode the desert (laughs) if i get to keep if I get to keep Zuko alone yeah. and the library. So, okay. Oh, so, that's tough though. So here's my thing. I don't know if the Cave of Two Lovers is like an all-time episode, but just on a personal level, when I was a kid, I was like low-key really into the romances in the show because I wanted all the characters to be happy. And Nickelodeon like previewed the Cave of Two Lovers with that scene <laughs> where Katara was like, what if we kissed? And I was a kid, I was like, I was like, what if you kiss? Let's find out what in happens. The cave I want to know more. Yeah. I, I love think- that episode. Oh God, which one is it? The Boiling Rock to me. Yeah, it's the prison one. Had one of the best fight scenes too that I've ever seen. Like when they were on those floating like gondolas. Uh, yeah, gondolas. I thought that was so incredible and so well done. And the animation was so incredible that I really thought someone was going to die in that episode. Like Ernest and I really thought somebody was going to die. The boiling lake, man. Something I'm surprised is on this list at all is the blue spirit, which has like a really, really fucking good fight scene. And, you know, for my money, the, the final interaction between Zuko and Aang where Aang's talking about how he had a friend in the Fire Nation and how in a different life they could have been friends. That's one of the best scenes the show's ever done. And I'm mm-hmm. not to talk shit about your list or anything. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> also, I, I did... Oh, sorry, oh, go, ahead, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, I know along the same lines as the Blue Spirit, it wouldn't be right in my top 10, but it'd be just on the outside. I did want to mention it, is uh, Season 3, Episode 5, The Beach. Um, we talked about how just everybody loves everybody. uh, The main trio just gets all these fun hang episodes that later becomes a quadrio when Toph gets introduced. And I kind of love the beach because one, we get to see Zuko's hot, pasty little white body out there on the beach, (laughs) soaking in the rays. We get to see a little bit of him and and May's relationship and kind of grounds the villains a little bit, except for, um, uh, Azula. Not Asuka. What is uh, Azula? His yeah, Azula. And then we just kind of realize that she's just she's full on sociopath. What? Okay. Yeah. Um, so so I don't that's that... why it doesn't make the top 10. Yeah. But see, I don't think that episode's amazing, but I love that it kind of reveals those four characters to be just deeply weird people that can yeah, like interact <laughs> with other humans. Like Azula mm-hmm. just has no idea how to talk to people. It's very funny. Um, Which yeah. shows wealth. Like it shows like when someone is in such a 
a state of privilege and they're mm-hmm. so isolated from the the real world they don't know how to have like normal relationships which it makes perfect sense um but something that we forgot to mention about the library the owl makes a comment that he has been lied to many yeah. times before which alludes to this whole arc that you're seeing with all these amazing characters that there's probably been so many other legends of blank that have happened journeys before journeys before heroes. like i want to read every single one of those books because dear god what wisdom <laughs> was probably in there that surpasses even the show so the all right, other so- are we losing which which one are we losing then i think ah, god damn i mean library and desert are so good in very different ways it's kind of hard to i guess the library if you had to pick between the two that hurts my heart a lot i don't know what's the seas of the north again that's the, the season which one, one finale yeah i think the season one finale three, is this i think first all three of the season finales should stay in there you know i'm kind of sh- really like them did anyone not? I, I don't know about y'all, but like, what did y'all think about the uh, the the Ember Island players? I'm not seeing that on any of this. Oh, I, I was, was fine. I it was fun. That, I was surprised nobody mentioned that. At I least, know. I thought that was really fun and like I very th- cute. I love a good victory lap, and that's the show just dunking on itself. And I just think that's such like a yeah. good breath of fresh air between before the two hour finale. <laughs> like, Is that the one where they they go the to play. a play? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was so meta and so I amazing. I love the, what show not, does that. <laughs> it's Zuko going just like the actor playing Zuko just going. I have to get my honor back. They're just making fun <laughs> of season one. It's great. <laughs> I really and then really no, the, the rewatch is that they have Toph played by this huge muscular guy, but the way yeah. that you can see is by screaming like a bat. <laughs> well, isn't it funny that they were using it as propaganda because mm-hmm. at the end of the play, they made it so that the Fire Lord won. And everybody cheered. And everybody cheered. Yeah. And it was like this meta sick, like, oh my God, we're living in that reality today yeah. in Trump's America. That that episode, you're right. And that episode is just like a very fun little, like, it, it, it honestly is like perfect. I, I think it's really great. It, it's not a top 10, but, you know, I love it. I think okay. This is getting pretty good. I'm shocked you put the season one finale at number one, man. No, this is in chronological order. Oh, fuck. Sorry, I forgot that. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. This is this is a chronological list. Gotcha. Um, so if if you guys want to lose the desert, you all have to agree on it. What what are we agreeing to the put The three in of there? you. Are we yeah, exactly? That's what I'm saying. Avatar you all and the Fire Lord. Are we agreeing? What are I we, would say Avatar and I would say Avatar and the Fire Lord. I think that's great. I think Ron Perlman does a crazy mm. good job. Oh yeah. And I always we didn't forget he's in it. Guy, Ron Perlman. <laughs> I know. I always forget he's in the show. I'm like, oh wait, that is definitely Ron Perlman. You can't mistake <laughs> you that cannot voice. Miss that guy's voice. I, uh, that's my vote. I vote he Avatar plays, and the Fire Lord. He plays Sozin. Yeah, uh, yeah, he does. And that the episode desert sh- was hard to watch for me. I, it was so, so sad. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Oh, that's that's, that's what makes the show yeah. so good. Well, it's it's like, it's one of those, it's what the show does best where it's literally a 22 minute episode, but it gets so much history and lore and, and emotion in. And it, it's done so well that you kind of don't even realize how good it is. Like I've watched this episode many times and like I'm only, I, I like it more and more with each watch. It, it, it was in my top 10. And you, you're already so, 
so invested in where the climax of the whole story is going. And then it adds yet another layer of investment, knowing the history of mm-hmm. Roku and Zo- and Sozin and how that ties in to Zuko's bloodline and to Ava- and to Aang's past lives. It's like they're, you're already super there. And then now you're even more invested. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also going back to what I was saying at the top of this, as all of the Game of Thrones isms that are in this show about how like your bloodline reflects who you are and what your destiny is is yeah. this episode perfectly displays that so so we're losing we're losing the desert the desert is such a good ang emotional journey where the it library is. is like the show flexing its world building so hard yeah. and they're very i, I honestly man yeah. i didn't think in the beginning of this but the more we talk about it i think you should keep desert and move the library okay. all right we'll do that then i think I'm glad we're keeping the blind bandit in because I think that's probably one of the best fight scenes in the show. If anything, I think that's like the library is better than the swamp. Okay, so you'd rather lose oh, the swamp. Fuck. I forgot about the swamp. Not even see that. Yeah, yeah I was scared of the swamp. Yeah, okay, so let's I mean, the swamp, swamp is great just because we'll of how library. cool it is, but yeah. the library is better. The swamp has one of my favorite little moments where it's the um, the uh, like the the rednecks uh, waterbenders and they're doing the um, like the motorboats and yeah. you could just there's a single cut to one of like the swamp benders just like leaning on the side of the boat like hanging out like yeah. <laughs> like just a guide showing and that's just one of those tiny things that the show does so well it just gets across so much. I know we we can't really put in any more season two because now our list is becoming mostly season two things. <laughs> But a couple other uh, episodes to at least acknowledge uh, the City of Walls and Secrets the first time when they arrived to Ba Sing Se and you get this like first look into the secret society with the Dai Li and you're like, what the hell am I watching right now? What kind of like weird Kubrickian show is this becoming before my eyes (laughs) is incredible. And then it gets even elevated with Lake Lyoga which is also mm-hmm. on the list of runner-ups. I know we can't yeah. put any more season two in there. I know, but the, the list yeah. is so good. The whole time this I watched that, I list. kept thinking, how are they going to pull this off? Like, <laughs> this is going to be a flop. Like, there's no way. And it just got better and better and better. And then mm-hmm. the death Honestly, of Jet and everything, or the am- ambiguous death of Jet. And then the invade. <laughs> it wasn't clear. The invasion of Ba Sing Se by the, the gang and, like, the way, like, the Ang and Toph, like turn the steps into a ramp and they're ascending up the ramp as people are falling down it it, it i don't know what, like, i'm just the the visuals of the show are, are fucking staggering yeah, a quick a quick hot take like a couple times i was like really like is this show just gonna keep pushing it deeper are they just i felt like there was a knife in my gut and they were just pushing it in just got that's you, why it's so got good you, got you that's why it's I'm so like, good isn't this supposed to be for kids <laughs> are you guys I, not I, don't, you, I wouldn't i wouldn't show this show to anybody under the age of like 13 12. i think what i don't know saying, man, it's not overtly violent yeah, it's all it's, like suggested it's very like fun like it's not like there's like blood or anything like that in the show i, I watched just, it when i was like eight yeah or nine. Uh, yeah that's doable um are you guys yeah. not fans of the day of the black sun the mid-season three okay. big conflict no, that's on my top 10 okay um i think that is uh one of the, i think it might be my favorite part of season three uh besides mm-hmm. the the avatar and the fire lord um i think it's really it's just a great i, I don't know why i keep keep gravitating those cities for the episode but it's, uh it's a great spectacle that is so like and it kind of ends so bittersweet but the impact of zuko makes it feel triumphant yeah. somehow yeah. 
Um, it's just, I, I, so my thing with season three is that, um, and I think the showrunners have talked about it, but I think they introduced Zuko to the crew too late in the season because basically you've got a few episodes setting things up. Then you've kind of got, you know, I think one works really well, one doesn't is uh, kind of diversion episodes with the Avatar and the Fire Lord, which is, you know, I shouldn't say diversion because it's, it's really good. And then you've also got the, the, the episode where Aang's tripping because he can't fall asleep. <laughs> um, so you got that. That's the first half of the season. And then you have Dave the Black Sun, which is really well done. And then you have to like get Zuko part of the gang quick and then you give him an episode with each character and then you gotta just and then it's time for the finale and like I feel like they should have maybe gotten Zuko there more so they could have felt out that dynamic more because they, they even joke about it in the show like Toph doesn't really get to do anything with Zuko like it's yeah. just it, it's it well, compared that, to season two which is perfect it's just a little more rushed that, yeah, exactly that's yeah. what I was about to say that just goes back yeah. to the original point of three just feeling a, a tad bit rushed because it does have to head towards the climax of the entire thing and yeah and the, it just doesn't have that that room to play with but this is our our hall of fame let me just run through it one more time see mm -hmm. in chronological order siege of the north part two the blind bandit zuko alone the library the desert tales of bossing say the guru slash crossroads of destiny the avatar and the fire lord the fire bending masters and Sozin's comment is is the siege of the north when uh Aang turns into a giant Godzilla fish? Yes, yes. <laughs> big, big a Mononoke <laughs> god, uh, dear god. Um, yeah. So, are we happy with this? Yes, I think it's I, perfect. I can All take right. it. Um, uh, once again, I would have the the puppet master my own personal top ten. I understand yeah. that it can't be in here, but uh, yeah, I, I I'm happy with this list. Beautiful. All right. Well, we did it, boys. We have inducted Avatar colon The Last Airbender into the We Bought a Mic TV Pantheon. I cannot Ooh. think of a more deserving yeah. entry into an all-time list I mean, than Avatar The Last Airbender. Just in closing, I this is – I mean, we keep calling it a kid's show because it was on Nickelodeon. Is this like the greatest – I just front-to-back series made for children yes. ever made? Yes, he, well, 100%. by far, I I think yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. think anything Ever. comes close. Ever. Not even close. I've actually so, I've been posting about it a lot on social media, and I've had people private message me saying that this show helped save their lives. Like it's it's oh, that wow. powerful. Where I've been posting about it and sharing it with as many people as I can, and through the woodwork, people have messaged me saying like, "This show helped me get through so much on a personal level." Wow. Wow. So there's there's just a couple things I want to say before before we head out is that we haven't talked about it at all, but uh, I think the music in this show is jaw dropping, and you know the show has the kind of the love theme, which is kind of like in the quiet moments with opera riding, and it, it plays at the very very end when Ang and Katara kiss, and I think that is like a stunning piece of music. Mm -hmm. It really yeah. didn't you share with us on our chat like a, a YouTube compilation of all the music. Yes, I, I shared that theme because it's just so again because the uh, the last scene is silent and a lot of it is riding on the music and it it, it swells at the perfect moment. It, it really is a it's just it's it's so fucking good. Like everything about the show, like it feel everything you talk about at the show could be the best part if you like it enough. It, yeah. It's in that kind of family. Well, um, the I, other, yeah. go ahead. 
No, the other thing is that I've started getting into the um, Avatar comics, which have been written by the uh, the showrunner. And uh, what's interesting about those, so we don't know much about The Legend of Korra here. This is all kind of unknown to y'all. Yeah, or... not yet. I mean, I can't wait to dive into it. I'm ready yeah, so for I it. Don't, I don't want to give it away too much, but Legend of Korra takes place almost a century later, and uh, it's a much more industrialized society. Oh, it's wow. in a, Yeah, it's, it's kind of like 1910s kind of era, I think, or late, late 19th century. And a big part of that show is um, kind of the conflict between benders and kind of the more industrial non-benders and also kind of that the ramification of ang having an ability to take away bending and what that's done to society oh, uh, it's, wow. it's really mature that and what's is interesting awesome. it is and the comics which is about the original team is showing how they get how the world is getting into that new, more industrialized state and how a more natural person like Aang has to accept that and kind of how it's hard for him to. And um, they're, they're really good. And they're on Amazon and uh, I've been enjoying them. And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested in watching Korra again, which is a, a more flawed show, but uh, has some really great moments. And it's also way darker. It's a very intense show. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't wait to, to, to watch Cora and to just watch this show again. Cause yeah. now like, you know, we're, we're in this fucking pandemic for indefinitely. So this immediately just becomes like a comfort watch mm -hmm. that we can just have on. And the movie. Oh, no. no. Oh, God. <laughs> I did want to ask Dude. real quick, what does everybody think about the, the Netflix remake that is supposed to be coming out? It, it is supposed to have Michael just, Dante, DiMartino, and Brian Konietzko. Did I say I that know. right? The, yeah. the creators uh, coming back to recreate their own show. I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I just fundamentally don't understand what it can bring that the original show doesn't already have. I don't, I don't, I just, I'm not, I'm literally, I don't know. <laughs> like, what could it be? It's a Darker, perfect show. Maybe more, more violent, more adult. I don't, maybe they've grown up, they've kind of grown with their material as the audience has or something. But I think that this show is kind of great because it doesn't, it, it's still like mass appeal despite having these wider, broader elements. I just, yeah. I don't understand it. Like I, I, I would understand a show in the world by those creators. Different that characters, different stories. Yeah, yeah. There's the whole, it's baked into the, the, theme, the theme, but like, I, I just don't understand it. I still don't. I don't, I don't think it's yeah. real. I don't believe it. <laughs> well, I, I think it would be, if it had like a Game of Thrones budget where they could really take their time and get the right characters to play each, you know, right actors to play the right characters. But I think for things like the animation, being able to show like when Aang was fighting and then in his scar on his back where his chakra was like kind of like yeah. damaged, he hit a rock which unleashed his chakra, it, it, making him able to go into the avatar state. Only animation could have captured that close up and that exactly. ability to channel or like when um, Zuko is taught how to like bend lightning and his uncle is showing him like how to channel his emotions through like his chest. Only animation would be yeah. able to really do that unless you get really, really cheesy CGI, which yeah. is what I think M. Night Shyamalan kind of did. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't, you're you're absolutely right. Like th those moments aren't going to be better with real people and like a ton of money. Like it's all there through the artistry and you're not going to fucking improve on that. With but, it's already but perfect. What if, what if, it, it is. can only go down. <laughs> but it's what if like the, the only thing that could get better is the landscape? Like maybe this, the episode, like the desert, if it could be like the fall where they're in just like yeah. this mesmerizing oh, the landscape lead pace, lead pace the fall yeah, yeah where like <laughs> they just are able to do some camera work that is just mind-boggling maybe so, that but the music the storyline i mean they would have to do scene by scene recreation of the show for it to be any way close guys here's here's my pitch for how to make the live action tv show work you have yeah, the, the you have the creators back, so they're going to write everything. Brad Bird will direct. Tom Cruise will play Aang. Whoa. Jeremy Renner plays Zuko. No. We, oh, recreate, oh <laughs> we recreate. We recreate Mission Impossible. Renner would be a great Sokka. Don't, don't give him Zuko. Are we sure? Yeah, let's give Simon Pegg that. Are we sure that Jeremy Renner is great at anything that he does? <laughs> okay, no, all right, honey. He's really good in Ghost Protocol and nothing hey, else. Hey, he's so great. He's great time. in the town. He's great. Oh, yeah. he, he, are we sure that he's great in Ghost Protocol? Yes, yes. He's really good. I think in Ghost he's Protocol. good anyway. for what he is asked to do, which is <laughs> to try to take somebody's franchise away from them and then fail the, the miserably. Only, the, before I forget, and we're going to realize this if we actually fucking hate ourselves and watch the Avatar movie, is um, if the show wants to be successful, it needs to be funny. It needs to have humor and warmth and jokes. Uh, M. Night didn't even try. No, the movie's deeply sterile. It has no jokes, um, which if, is fucking bonkers. But like... Hey, man, the Glass is hilarious. I don't... I mean... <laughs> well, they try the guy to, can do they it. They try to fit all of the first season into one movie. Yeah, I, I don't want to give it. I guess I'll just give it away. The part that's like so indicative of why that movie's a failure is uh, it, it adapts one of the episodes from season one where Katara, like you know, goes on the prison ship and like convinces the prisoners to use the coal to use earth bending and break out of the metal ship. Well, because I assume they didn't have the budget in the movie, that same thing happens except all the earth benders are trapped on land and she's like hey earthbenders did you know you can use your powers sitting on earth and then like the bending sucks and it fucking blows <laughs> that movie makes me so i want to know if it's worse than the dragon ball live action movie because that uh, is I one would... of the biggest abominations i've ever seen in my life piccolo as just like a dude with makeup on is like just so hideous and disgusting it's one of those questions where it's like is something truly terrible more entertaining than something like soulless and vapid and uh i've never seen evolution but if it's like that bad you might enjoy it more than the last airbender oh okay yeah it's the parabola theory it's, well, it's just yeah, parabola theory drew got his moment yeah <laughs> no, it's, we'll leave you for a tease for uh when we wrangle drew to to watch the movie with us he said he's he's more than willing to apparently yeah. more willing to watch that than to watch this show here's the thing so, about drew he's a movie guy he yeah. grew up uh, watching jeopardy the movie Never seen He's the an show. M night guy. He's an M night guy. I think Drew of all people needs a little spiritual journey right now. Don't you think? Does uh, he need to like meditate and I open know. up his we chakras? To, he needs an intervention. Or is he, he opening up his chakras right now? If you know what Drew, I mean. Drew, if you're listening, uh -huh, wake uh -huh. up. 
Wake up, Drew. Drew. I like the idea we're just telling our listeners Drew has a serious problem. <laughs> I think everybody well, you'll should hear watch. from him later on in the week in our next yeah. episode. I think every everybody should watch the show regardless of what's going on in your life. I think it can serve something positive and meaningful <laughs> and constructive. It's full of so many life lessons. Um, it's truly, truly powerful stuff. So I think that about does it. Thank you for listening. Stick around uh, for more uh, from We Bought a Mic this week with a review of Palm Springs. Harry will be joining us for that as well. And And next week, I think we're going to do First Cow. Um, And then maybe maybe the, the M. Night airbender will be right around the corner so stick around uh thank you lee for coming on the show thank you harry uh till then keep it wabami keep it safe wear a mask stay safe all of that stay healthy and flamio hotman bye bye combustion man 